Welcome to the Collective Studios podcast called Today I Learn. This month, we asked some of our guest professionals to speak about their path to UX design. These are their stories. In this episode, we hear from Dan McNeil, who is a UX researcher at Post Media Canada. Um, hello, hello. Thank you for having me on here. This was really a nice uh, way to look back on my journey of the last two years. Um, I just started working for Post Media, which is uh, it's a large Canadian media organization. There's a ton of newspapers that fall under Post Media as well as um, digital services. I'm working with the web services as a UX researcher um, and I, yeah, I also have been doing a lot of facilitation. I've been facilitating with a group called Design Your Impact, uh, Design for Impact, and I've been facilitating Design Your Life um, coaching uh, projects, uh, both of which, all of which I'll talk about. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, let's get started. So I want to first start with a territorial acknowledgement. I am presenting and working from the traditional and unceded territories of the Lekwungen people, um, also known as Victoria, BC, Canada. I think it's very important to um, yeah, pay attention and listen to the people on the land that you are from. There's a lot to learn and a lot of work to be done in decolonization. I, uh, very early on in my design career, made a commitment to always design in a way that's uh, inclusive of all people and specifically supportive of decolonization. Um, so yeah, I have my, I'm gonna go through some of my background. I was doing social work, youth work for 12 years in various capacities. I worked with youth with disabilities in group homes in Toronto. Um, I did harm reduction work. I worked with homelessness and addictions work in the inner city. Uh, and then I built up to managing youth wellness programming. Um, and I was working with a First Nations community say out here on Vancouver Island for a couple of years. Um, uh, if I can break it down quickly to what to what I, I learned with that is user-centered design. Um, and that's before I re ever really understood what design was, but um, doing youth work is very user-centered user design. Um, specifically uh, working in First Nations communities as a non-Indigenous person. Um, that was a very early teaching in you know every everything had to be uh from the community and for the community i had to always be able to back up any decisions i made with well this is what the elders wanted or this is this is what the youth wanted or the family or chief and council um so a very early strong understanding of user-centered design um empathy it was a constant practice and listening and, and paying attention and, and learning um as well as systems design and bias to action. Um, it's been a wild change from youth work where it's just like, yeah, let's let's try a thing. Prototypes all over the place. You guys want to go on a trip here? We're going on a trip. 
um, to now working, doing more methodical design. Um, yeah, I've, 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 it's a big change, but it definitely the bias to action is an exciting part about youth work. You can prototype and try things out all over the place. Um, I was also an international program leader. I worked with a group based out of um, a nonprofit based out of Toronto, actually, uh, called Operation Groundswell. I can only highly recommend Operation Groundswell. They do um, facilitated uh, service learning trips, um, and they, yeah, they they're in. I think 11 regions in the world, and I've led a number of trips with them in uh, Colombia, Guatemala, Peru, and Cambodia. Um, yeah, they they really they really do a good job of. Uh, it's not just like party vacation trips. All of the trips have a have a focus to it, and then there's also a lot of uh, facilitation around like checking your privilege and 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 understanding what it means to be traveling in in these regions and what it what it is to volunteer or, or yeah just a lot of discussions and and work around ethic ethical travel um i absorbed a lot of design through uh this the this program they actually have really good uh designers that were working building this program and I didn't know what design was but I saw them doing it and I felt it how it affected everything and made it uh, made the programs really solid um, team problem solving definitely traveling around uh, with a, a group of 12 people in in another country is is on the spot uh, high stakes problem solving sometimes usually it's all good but sometimes uh there's some uh like oh it just landed and somebody found an, a rusty needle that had stuck through their foot um dealing with that uh learn a lot about facilitation uh, group facilitation discussion ideation um on the spot planning and yeah design thinking as i as i said um also a couple of mentions i gotta have a, de a degree in professional communications from railroads university which is here um uh it is a good paper to have and it's a good thing that i can't i can talk about it in my um in my interviews but honestly i've done most of my learning in design outside of the degree uh, I did do a web design boot camp in 2008 that was uh, kind of before I found youth work I had uh, learned lots of things it was it wasn't even called a boot camp it was before boot camps were called boot camps but uh, yeah I was learning how to code websites directly with HTML back in the day um, I had learned how to do all these fun things and I got one client and the client uh, wanted very specific things and I wasn't allowed to play with all the all the tools I learned and then I found youth work and so really put it down for a while but that gave me a solid um, background the one thing that it didn't give me and I didn't have the words to express it at the time was the 
why. It taught a lot of how um, tools, but it had none of the user-centered design or it had none of the why. And so I was really, I can look back now and see that I was constantly hitting questions like, what color should this button be? What's this? Um, and I, you know, I was just constantly making it up or Googling these things, whereas now I, I understand that uh, it's, it's a huge gift to have the like, oh, just ask, ask, ask users <laughs> um, what they need instead of making it up, which was what it felt like I was doing. Um, and I also want to uh, mention that, yeah, I, I have a, a strong arts background. I've been in bands, I've done visual art, um, dancing is huge, and so I draw upon that for for everything I do in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, so about, well, about three years ago, I was really burnt out um, for, with youth work. I was working too hard, spinning my wheels, taking a lot on. Um, I can, now that I have, again, a language, a design language to explain it, uh, I would say it was bad design what I was doing. Um, one thing that I got really excited about when I was first starting with design was um, the the ability to clarify. It would have been really... I, I did I did a lot of things that were design and, and I did my best and I, I ran some good programs, but it would have been really nice to have gone through the entire design process with with say running programmings and understanding that things are prototypes and then really um nailing down a uh like the final step launch i think that's one thing i just tried everything and basically i was stuck in prototype uh as opposed to really clarifying um which one thing i wanted to do which had me working all the time because i really wanted to solve problems um which I, I still do. So I've learned a lot through that and I've learned a lot through design. Um, I had never heard of UX. It was about two years ago. I was looking for something because I'd done social work for so long. I was just looking for something else that I would get into. And my friend who was staying with me said, oh, I've got this this webinar that I'm going to join to see if I want to join this boot camp. And I, I joined in and was sparked, which was uh, just a chance chance happening. But um, I had some friends that about, yeah, about two years ago, I had some friends, uh, a lot of them in Toronto, actually, and a lot of them were designers with Operation Groundswell, the travel organization that I called up. And I just sparked my excitement even more. My one friend said... Uh, he said, oh, the UX is great. It's my job to bring, I bring toys to CEOs and make them play with toys. <laughs> and I love the idea of that. Uh, I was also very inspired when I was asking him. I've, I've, um, I know a lot of people who are striving and, and always trying to better and better. And when I asked him, you know, what's next in, in UX? He's a very accomplished UX designer. And uh, when I asked him what's next, he said, nothing just doing it and and that clarity and that um peace of mind that can come from from a well-designed life was something that intrigued me and is exciting 
Um, yeah, I went to a, a local UX meetup. It was on meetup.com. Uh, just just curious, and I met someone who gave me accidentally gave me two gifts. They told me to go to Interaction Design Foundation, uh, based out of Denmark. Really, really good courses. Um, it's all self-led, but if um, if you're self-led and self-motivated, I I can only suggest them. I've never taken really any other courses so I don't know how it compares but um, was able to learn a lot through through there uh, and then the other thing I was explaining my social work background and this one person that I met said oh you'd like empathy that's exciting you're coming from social work you got this empathy that'll that'll work well for you and I I took the hint and um, now in the in the last a uh, couple years of, of learning and job hunting, I realized that it's kind of a buzzword uh, that that I can use, and especially in, in tying it to my social work, it's it's what uh, UX designers get excited about. Um, so I know I can use that buzzword, but deeper than that, I know that I I truly love learning how to build my empathy, practicing having empathy. And it's a constant, yeah, it's a constant practice. Um, I love design initially because I was talking a little bit about it, but it's it was just, it answered the why um, as opposed to just the how. And, and it, it the, the clarity that comes from going through the process and being able to say, you know, this is, this is why we're doing this. We went, we tried all the options, we ideated, we opened everything up, and then we narrowed it down. And now there's this one thing, and I can ignore the rest of everything else. That it feels easy on my hectic brain. Um, and I love the facilitation aspect of it. That's something that I've been doing for years, and I just love seeing that it was a, a, a really beautiful format and sort of framework for facilitating. And of course, solving problems, classic. I, I, I'm constantly trying to solve problems for myself and, and others. And it's just, it's really the best framework for making that happen collaboratively. And I just love that it's a path through ambiguity and um, both I get, it, it teaches me to be okay with ambiguity when it when it's around because it's maybe early stages and then also how to break through that ambiguity um yeah very early on i got a contract in souk um bc here and it's a very beautiful place that's a picture of souk uh it's i actually got this i i applied for a different job that i didn't get but then um they called me up later and said, hey, you said some, some things in your interview. You were really excited about this design uh, this design stuff. We have another contract for you. And so I was really lucky to land this. It kind of came from my youth work um, background, but it also it was uh, user experience research. So it was a contract with the district of Souk, the local government in Souk. Uh, researching the feasibility of a uh, youth programming that would be in a new seniors complex. So 
researching the feasibility of um, intergenerational programming, bringing teens and and uh, elderly people together, which is really exciting to me. Uh, I was so in, inspired, actually, by the youth of, of Souk. I, I really I wasn't expecting to see so much enthusiasm for inter intergenerational program but there was a, a couple of youth groups i spoke to they're like oh yeah we're already going to homes and we'd be really excited we have all these ideas and and just um we surveyed uh in schools and the feedback that came back like care for the environment and care for the community and stuff that i was not thinking about when i was in high school um just really yeah i was really impressed thoughtful uh and that was my first uh in, in sort of on the ground uh user user research and i loved it i loved just chatting with people getting the ideas it's, it's a really nice again format for me to learn and and move in the world and i would genuinely get very like into it and excited and and passionate about doing the research so that was my first hint that i'd be into that um i also started doing web design. I made or designed two websites with uh, my sister, who's um, at Pregnancy and Postpartum TV. Her YouTube channel blew up over COVID because she was offering exercise and nutrition videos for new mothers. And so um, new mothers were all at home needing to exercise with their children. And so... That worked out, and I built, a, designed a website with my partner, Taria. Um, she is a coach, uh, and it's actually, coaching is a, uh, something that I was, I'm also fairly new to, and uh, her, she's not specifically a design coach or a business coach, but just some of the methodologies in the coaching practice if anyone has the opportunity to get a design coach or a business coach uh super valuable um yeah i was able to i did my uh interaction design foundation courses since they're self-paced i did them very slowly and sort of used these real life web um projects as practice and and luckily i there was no deadline for either of these and so i took my time to do an entire uh, research process uh, and and then moving through the design process and i was able to do all the steps really fully and completely which worked out not only for my portfolio but just learning how things can go and and both my partner and my sister were very patient in in taking i don't know six months to do a, a web development project that could have been you know the the end result could have been done in a, f a very short time with wordpress but uh it was really designed fully with um yeah the user research and all the learnings on the way Ooh. uh so yeah one thing i loved when i started with design was the community aspect and and it was a big shift as well not only to design but to remote um i've started i really started designing during covid so i uh, i've been mostly remote and i was just so 
impressed and shocked with the level of care and health that there is in, in communities um, on, online and, and specifically I was uh, just really blown away when I started with the collective studio. I have no idea how I found it but um, I, that was my first sprint that I did with the collective studio and the inclusivity and sharing and just excitement for design and learning i was uh, so impressed with and it made me made me want to keep with this as a really good good group of people out out in the world doing design um and i also started with another group called design for impact um it's a bit, i guess uh, abram is based in australia but it's global and uh, really, I, I coming from social work, I really wanted to do projects that had impact, and it's um, the it, it's all sorts of people join, but it has a, a nice aspect of collecting a lot of people who are new to design, but also a lot of very experienced designers who are often working a little more corporate who want to have that impact, and so. Um, very experienced designers, a lot of skills, a lot of good um, thinking, and then bringing that together with people who are just sort of starting getting into design and, and also want to have impact. And so, really beautiful community. We started um, maybe about three months ago. Uh, I had been uh, trying to convince Abram to do real world projects. We'd been doing courses um on some like design research was a course and and it got to the point where people were calling uh afghanistan we did a food security project in afghanistan and people were calling and doing interviews and and learning how to do research and and getting some good stuff and then we didn't do anything with it and that drove me crazy so i collaborated with abram to run a design sprint, and we found a uh, nonprofit in Ghana, uh, Africa ICT Right. Uh, they do a lot of um, they they get youth involved in tech, and they also have a, a really impressive women in tech programs. They build uh, like computer labs in sea cans and also work a lot with schools to, to improve uh, technical literacy in Ghana. Um, so yeah, we, I facilitated a sprint with um, the Design for Impact. That was an incredibly fun project. Again, I was just, we, we put out the call for volunteers and we had so many applications we actually couldn't even take everybody and then the crew that we did get was so talented and so smart and so on it and a lot of fun and it, it was it reminded me a lot of when i was doing uh, international travel uh learning programs but just totally remote and it just opened my eyes to what can be done collectively globally um, and yeah, with design. Um, oh yeah, I, another thing that I found early on in my 
transition to design was a book called Designing Your Life. Um, it's two uh, Stanford D school professors who run a course called Designing Your Life at Stanford. Uh, game changer for me. I, I the first time I did it, it, it it's just really applying uh, design principles and going through the design process to solve problems in in life for for non-designers or non and and designers as well and it really this is one of the things that i get excited about design for in general is is the fact that it's so applicable to all problems um so yeah i i did this as a sort of a book club with some friends for the first round and the one of the Take, my take-homes from that was, I love this, I want to do more of it, and so I actually um, built a online program and started facilitating that, and it's, uh, it is it, so much fun, and it's a nice way to look at life and problems, and again, it just builds that clarity. I, I tend to do too much and get scattered and and spin my wheels and it's just a nice way to it starts out with the the research process and it's since it's designing your life it's it's self-research and understanding where you're coming from and then moves through the steps and so if anybody ever gets the chance to uh read designing your life and do it as like a book club with friends highly suggest it great way to solve problems um Something else I fell into and dove deep into the rabbit hole is improv uh, for facilitation. A, a lot of people know comedy improv, but it gets really deep and I love it for... It can be used for team building, but also it's the idea that um, the, the things that make a good improv scene such as the classic rule of yes and uh, they make a they make a good design and they make a good life um, and there's a lot of ways to use it to for ideation opening people up to um, you know being being creative and thinking of all the things in different ways but also working working with blocks and and sort of when when there's blocks in a project and yeah, there's just lots of ways to take the the things learned from improv and apply it to facilitation and business. And uh, it's a very exciting field. And um, I yeah, I, I get into it. And also uh, empathy. That's a, that's another thing. There's a lot with you know in order to do a good um, improv scene, it's really about listening and paying attention moment to moment to what's happening and, and, and acting on that. And so there's a ton of, um, depth in that. And all right. So yes, job hunting <laughs> about six months ago, I, I been sort of doing all these projects for a year and a half. I decided it was time to he head out there digitally and um, hit the digital pavement and I it was a, a pretty excruciating process um, I had to build my portfolio which was actually a lot of fun I um, 
I've uh, never really done that. It's a very different thing from getting social work jobs, which is, uh, you know, entirely based on personality. And uh, yeah, I started building my portfolio. Actually, it was Melanie. I was asking or early on Melanie about um, how to build, like where to build a portfolio and where to host it. And and Melanie's response was like, oh, I've got some old projects on Behance. I, I need to update it. And I thought, that sounds professional, actually. Like, <laughs> not um, not needing it so much or making this big deal of a fancy portfolio. Just, yeah, I throw my things on, on Behance because... Um, because I'm, I'm too busy <laughs> doing projects to make a portfolio. Uh, so I started, I put my portfolio on Behance. I am building a website, but uh, I got too many other things going on. Um, yeah, I started building my resume. I, a huge thing was when I decided to just use a template. I, I, I paid for a template. I try and do everything for free, but I found a nice one and actually paid for it. And I've had uh, people in interviews say, oh, you're, you're, the design in your resume is great. And for a designer, that's important. I am not a graphic designer. I'm not a visual designer. Uh, I've learned that throughout my process. So it's great to outsource that to the millions and millions of templates that are out there. Oh, I made a decision. I know there's a lot with um, the like AI screening robots, and there's I've seen some resumes that are tailored for that, and I just found them ugly, and it's not good visual design. Which is, you know, as as a as a designer, even though I'm not a visual designer, it's still important because the people who are hiring me are often. <laughs> Um, so I decided to not hyper tailor my resume to robo filters that may have a consequence in me not passing the robo filter, but I, um, I just, I just like the way it looks when it's a, more of a classic resume style. Uh, but with that, of course, I am still, uh, tailoring keywords to the job and, and, and playing that game. Uh... And then I started doing interviews. I had to learn how to do uh, UX interviews. I've, I'd only done social work interviews, which are a totally different game. And it was it was actually a process of design. I actually um, had a, a resume and portfolio that were getting me interviews that I wasn't prepared for. And I really had some excruciating interviews where they were asking me questions that I just, uh, just out of, out of my league sort of jobs and um, just sweating my way through and trying to make it, make it up. But slowly I uh, figured out what people were looking for. And as well throughout that process, I really um, honed my niche of doing UX research. I um, just through through my ramblings, I, I found that I, I just genuinely got excited about user interviews and it was the research part that excited me. And when it came down to actually making the wireframes, I just didn't want to do that work. So um, it's, the, it's the human connection and the figuring out what people need that is a huge part of my interest. Um, and also, I was able to kind of leverage my background in 
uh, research interviews a lot better um, because really I, I I knew that I was kind of swimming upstream in in um, you know I I knew I could do this work and I know I can design but I don't have any really professional solid experience saying that I could do this um, one of the one of the things I got early on from Abram with uh, design for impact is he always used to say you you're, you're selling yourself short you're you're a designer you've been doing design for years don't not like stop saying you're learning or you're um, you're you're just figuring it out because you're a designer and that was a, a nice mindset shift that I took on and that yeah as soon as I decided all right I am a designer I'm not learning design and it doesn't matter whether I necessarily have the the, the job yet I am doing design a lot so I am a designer um, yeah and so uh, two weeks ago I uh, started with post media it's a large Canadian media digital and print newspaper primarily organization um, really lovely team the um, benefit of me kind of making my like trying to make it work I, I didn't um, I, I don't really have any formal design training uh, but I've, I've done a lot of these projects as you can see and and the benefit of that to me is uh, I, I got a lot of rejections <laughs> I went through three uh, three times I went through four interviews for a company that I was excited very excited about them every time only to get rejected and that was with like tests and doing user interviews um, got very excited and then only to get uh, let down in the end but what this process did do in filtering it out was they finally the organization that hired me um, I really get the sense that they want to work with me. They weren't looking for credentials. They, they um, necessarily, they were just excited about what I was bringing to the table and my enthusiasm and love, love for uh, doing, doing the work and connecting with people. Um, I made a quite hastily uh, <laughs> made a top tips uh, just where I'm coming from and I think the things that helped me out on the way uh, gratitude for community and mentors uh, yeah I truly get so grateful to communities like this and, and design for impact um, one of the things that the design your life book gets into is is networking and finding mentors and I went on a sort of did my own sprint of connecting with mentors and it's and yeah it's just i'm constantly blown away with how helpful people are um in sharing with their time and knowledge so yeah just just going with that the gratitude and that and that helps me network because i'm sincerely grateful for everyone that's helped me out and i want to continue that myself passing that on um enthusiasm I, I, it's right on my like LinkedIn profile and the first word I say, I'm, I'm overly enthusiastic. Uh, I truly 
love design and I want to learn and I'm open and, and just going back to that beginner's mindset is really important to me and um, that's something that that's helped me out and bias to action there's tons of things that I push through uh, in this process just like okay let's try it I mean just the idea of prototyping um, means that it's it's kind of uh, failure immunity as they call it in design your life just if it's a prototype a prototype can't fail because it, that's the that's the whole point of it <laughs> and so really just pushing through doing things making it happen and then you know figuring it out after uh and then yeah belief in design thinking i i really get excited about design and design thinking and and it's it's just one of the most uh comprehensive tools for figuring out this crazy world we live in uh that i found and oh yeah i talked about deciding that i'm a designer um that was a mindset shift and design your life which is a process that i've spoken about and and improv which i spoke about so yeah that's 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 me in my two-year process looking back to make this i uh it, it was I see why I felt like I was working hard because there's a bunch going on and and the timelines don't necessarily match up but uh yeah that's me that's 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 my love for design thank you so much Dan that was so cool so informative and yes I love your enthusiasm and your mindset <laughs> it kind of led you to uh you know great opportunities and i'm really happy that you um you are still working with uh, design for impact because i remember <clears throat> the first time we did uh well we joined in on an event that they were hosting i think that's how <clears throat> i i got you uh involved because i think i was, was there too yeah abraham's still keeping it up that's cool i'm really happy <laughs> that you're yeah. able to to do great things with that community as well that's really impressive <clears throat> But also, yeah. um, a good example to show others here that like you could utilize community for your own success as well. You can meet so many different people with common ideas, um, shared passion or enthusiasm for learning. So yeah, I'm really glad that you shared that. That was really cool. That's really cool stuff. Uh, do we have any questions for Dan? Uh, feel free to unmute your mic, or if you're not able to use uh, the voice functionality, uh, just leave a, a chat message on the living room chat. Or if you have any comments, you know, words of gratitude, like thank you, you could also tell Dan that you loved his presentation. Okay, well, it seems like, um, oh wait, Tiffany, uh, were you saying something? Yeah, I just have a question. Um, he was saying that, um, you know, he was kind of fumbling his way through interviews until he figured out what exactly they were looking for. So how did you figure out what they were looking for? Um, I mean, it was a lot of... <laughs> Honestly, trial and error. I probably started doing interviews a little bit before I was 
ready, but I would, yeah, I would really just um, take, like, write, write notes. I would try and write down the questions that I was asked in every interview. There's some really good um, blogs out there. There was one that was, like, uh, they collected the, the questions that were asked in by Google, Facebook, and some, like, something else, uh, the questions that UX researchers were asked in interviews, that was, it was, uh, really helpful, and, yeah, just took a lot of time in thinking about my answers for that. One other, oh, one other, uh, thing that I learned to do, which was kind of fun, is, uh, when it came time to asking, like, asking questions, I... You know, I came up, I spent a lot of time crafting, like, Ooh, what's the what's the best question? And um, my thing, one thing that I've always done with that is, again, like, curiosity and, and enthusiasm and just, you know, I'm, I'm a UX researcher. Just treat it like UX research. Like, really? T- like, tell me more. <laughs> um, but the one thing that I started doing was... Uh, asking the same questions that they asked me which um are actually really tough sometimes i had one i had one interview uh with with actually it was with post media where i said well can you tell me about a, a a situation you had with uh with an employee that was difficult and and how did you deal with it <laughs> and they, they they actually responded like oh that's a that's a tough question <laughs> And I was like, "Yeah, I know. That's a question I get asked all the time." Um, and then, and then the answer that I got from it was actually uh, really thoughtful. And and I had my misgivings about working for a large organization, moving from social work. It's, it's not something that I'm uh, have any experience with. And and the answer from him was, he, well, he told a story about an employee that wasn't. Um, showing up to meetings and, and he said his first response was you know just check in with this employee how how are you doing is there something wrong and and that um that empathy and care really impressed me and i was i didn't i didn't know if i would find that working with a, a larger organization and so just to hear that that's where um the team managers were coming from was i got a great answer out of it um, but yeah, I looked, I, I really took on doing interviews as a, as a design process. Every, everything a design lens can be put to it. So just really like taking, taking the questions I was asked and the things, looking what people got excited about. Like it's all user research. This is what, this is what people want to see. And, and that was part of, you know, the, the empathy thing is really just making the decision that I, I can see that people are excited about empathy from for myself so that's my superpower and and just how can I lean into that more and how can I use my background to kind of play play that up so just figuring out my my unique skills and and how to lean into that more yeah that's actually a great answer and also um, an interesting aspect of interviewing is not only are you presenting yourself, but you also have to um, ask questions to the interviewer, right? Like you're also going to find out more about not just the job and the role, but 
whether or not this is the kind of company that you would imagine uh, working for. So yeah, like asking difficult questions, like how do you handle this kind of situation? Like those are the kind of questions that I think um, interviewers don't expect because I think most people would just go to the interview, answer all the questions. And at the end, when the interviewer says, hey, do you have any questions for me? Most people are just gonna be like, nope, that's it. I'm fine with the surface level knowledge of this company. Thank you very much. Give me a check. <laughs> so it's not like that. So like when you ask those kind of questions, it shows that you're committed not only to the job itself, but like you are making a choice to, to be there. So instead of just taking the job at face value, you want to know more. You want to go deeper into how it is that people work together. You're making decisions for yourself. So obviously you don't want to work for a company where people don't care about uh, empathy or they don't care about the user uh, that wouldn't be the place where you could thrive that's not the best place for you so yeah definitely ask those kind of questions on interviews because um, if you're going to be working for an employer long term it better be a place uh, that is deserving of uh, your skills and your talents think about it that way right <laughs> so um, yeah that's pretty cool I also have a question and, and for me I'm quite ignorant of like um, UX research as a job because I only know like the visual aspect of it uh, in terms of like building and designing uh, prototypes. Um, how do you showcase yourself as uh, a UX researcher? Because obviously having a portfolio is important if you have something visual, right? So if you come up with some of these design artifacts, uh, you would have to be designing these visuals but when it comes to the data part it's like how do you show that in your portfolio like do you just show a bunch of charts and graphs of projects that you did <laughs> and results in terms of numbers <laughs> and kpis being you know accomplished like how do you do it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah excellent question that was something that it there it was it was kind of hard to figure out and there is some some help. I actually took a portfolio course through Interaction Design Foundation, and thinking back, I actually wish that I hadn't. It just <laughs> introduced, like, it's just how they do, how they look at it, and um, yeah, there's so much information about how to do portfolios, and there's a little bit on how to do research portfolios, but it is very different and certainly the visual aspect is missing but it is it's all it's all about it's it's storytelling and um yeah it's it's really about trying to come up with an, an engaging story and really getting deep into the why and i actually find that <clears throat> um learning how to do the process makes a stronger portfolio piece anyway it's like an added challenge if i were to make a design portfolio i think it would be stronger because it really forces you it, you can't rely on the visuals or the like oh this is how it looks you really have to dig into the why you made decisions and how you made decisions and but it's still a story that uh you can go through and um you know, start out with, you know, why you did it and, and the, the beginnings and all the steps along the way. And I really love, um, actually, the Design Your Life book has, they just have little excerpt 
blurbs that say um, challenge, and then they'd say uh, getting you need experience to to get experience. You need experience to get experience conundrum, and then reframe. Um, I, I'm making this up, but it, you can design that, whatever. And so I stole that format. I really like that. I just had little blurbs like, this was the challenge, and then this was the reframe. Um, but yeah, there's, there's lots of challenges and things to explain, and and really just turning, turning the data into a story, which is ultimately um, what user research is in the end anyway yeah. so it's it's kind of just doing doing user research <laughs> yeah yeah exactly because it's like okay i can understand the storytelling aspect of it because it's like as humans we we understand the concept of a story where there's a problem and there's a you know a, a resolution at the end so we need an introduction to that problem we need to understand the context of it um we need to know what is contributing to this problem we need the facts and then also the why aspect, which is sort of like what you get from listening to people about their problems and how they go through these things. Uh, all this stuff makes sense to us. So we can't just show the data and just be like, here's some facts and some tables and some pie charts. Like, no, there's actually a story and it has an end. Or at least it has some kind of resolution that you, I, I guess you can create through your data. <laughs> but yeah, I like that approach. And same thing with yeah. the improv stuff. Like I've met other senior designers that also use the, and yes, but kind of um, <laughs> trigger as to say like let let's go along with things. Like let's improvise and then also, you know, add to a particular um, story. I guess. Um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. This is also very interesting that you have the the books that kind of like helped. Uh, Helps you change your mindset. Um, I wasn't really aware of that book before. What what was it called? Design Your Life? And mm -hmm. I, I wasn't sure. I thought I saw it on one of your slides, but was there a price tag of that book? Was it like forty nine um, bucks or was it four hundred and ninety nine dollars? I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this was my sorry, so the book the book yeah. itself is um I don't know, thirty like it's a it's an it's an average book. Mm -hmm. Um but this is the course that I facilitated, so I, I got very excited about it and started facilitating courses. I'm oh. not, I, I would be very slick if I was like, you can check out my website, but I am currently uh, overwhelmed with other projects and am not running these anymore. So that was my like fully facilitated 12 week course and I brought everything uh, into that, like I brought, I bring improv into it and make it a, uh, yeah, like a, a collective group that meets every week for 12 weeks and I bring everything from, that I know from design and research into it and facilitate it wow. as a group and it's, um, yeah, it's, re it's really important. They suggest in the book uh, and I, it's, it's probably the most important part is that it is done with a group, but they, they explain how to build a group and how to do that. But I just wanted to practice like facilitation and, and bringing this to people in a, a very uh, in-depth way. Wow, and... that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome. I would love for you to come back and to host a design sprint with us and mm -hmm. design for impact. Maybe one day we could collab. Mm -hmm. 
but that would be yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. No, if I if you have specific yeah. ideas and and definitely uh, design for impact is going to be hosting another um, like eight to twelve week sprint starting sometime pr probably about in a month. Um, we learned a ton of lessons from doing our first one. We really just kind of biased to action. Like, let's see what it's like to run a sprint and. And we we learned a lot, and and what we're gonna do is is take um, people who participated in the first sprint and like make just make everyone collaborators and facilitators, and so it's gonna be a, a group of us. I'm so impressed with the the team and the work that was done. I was constantly just like, I don't know how to how to express how amazing you all are they're just such dedication and working so hard for this project uh and really really cool deliverables um but yeah so design for impact is doing another sprint likely starting in a month we we, we haven't set a date yet but i will let you know when that's happening okay yeah definitely hopefully i'll have some time to join you guys but yeah, thanks for the invite. Um, hmm. Do we have any more questions for Dan? Or maybe any comments you have for Dan? If not, then I guess we can wrap up this event. Because um, I think it's 4 p.m. now. At least 4 p.m. here in, in Toronto. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Dan, for sharing your story. Um, and thank you guys for being here, listening, and being a respectful audience. Um, you could always talk to Dan. He's here on Discord. You could just uh, DM him at Sinfu, you know? Um, also, Dan Sinfu. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, next weekend, we are going to hear stories from... Ben Ellsworth and Claire as well. She's our co-founder. Uh, she's also oh, going nice. to do a talk about how she got her uh, first UX job at American Express. Um, oh, I want to hear that. Yeah, exactly. She'll be here next uh, next Sunday. So, yeah, come back around around this time, and she'll uh, she'll share her story. Uh, if you want to register for any of these events, you know where to find it. You scroll up to the top check out our events and you just click uh, interested so that you get a reminder uh, for those of you that are interested in our design sprints that is happening uh, I'm going to post another announcement so that you could uh, reserve your tickets so um, yeah just keep your eyes peeled in announcements and you'll get a link uh, to buy early bird tickets which is a very very special discounted price for all of you um, other than that that's all I got to say. Uh, thank you so much for coming and have the, a good rest of your weekend. Enjoy your day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. This concludes our episode. Thanks for listening. Want to learn more about the Collective Studio? Go to our website at tcstudio.cc.